pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 276. Today I'm going to chat with Omar Crispy Avila, discuss gun control included in the omnibus bill, highlight the new scar from FN, and talk about why you just might want to be a Karen. I am your host, Ava Flanell, and Crispy, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing well before the show started because it's a little early in the morning. I was <laughs> I was doing the like do me pasa. You know, so I don't have like that morning voice, but I don't think yeah. it's working because I still feel a little raspy. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I woke up uh, pretty early and I was in my backyard watching some deer fight. So it was pretty cool. Nice. And you're in Texas, right? Yes, ma'am. Best country in the country. Right? No kidding. Sometimes I wish I lived in Texas, especially right Come now on. with your guys' weather, because like it literally snowed last night. And once again, I got to plow my freaking driveway. I bought a house stupidly that faces north, so that shit does not melt. <laughs> I'm like, ugh, can I just, I don't know. It's always something, you know? Do it. Why don't you just move? I should. I should. But I don't know. I've said this before. Like, so Colorado's kind of losing ground on gun rights. But I feel like if I move, I'm part of the problem. I got to, like, stand my ground and fight. That's true. You know? I can't just, like, hand over my state that I grew up in to all these Californians. I don't know. I'm torn, but I do think I might get a winter house maybe in the next couple of years. Right now, I'm totally house broke because I just bought a brand new house. But in the next couple of years, it'd be nice to buy like a winter house, maybe in Arizona or Texas. Do it. Yeah, but maybe I'll be your neighbor. Come on. Would you mind that? And then I'm like, hi, sir. Can I have some sugar, please? I don't know if you'll be able to get in our neighborhood because it's pretty freaking sold out. But um, I mean, well, I know a guy who down can, the road. I know a guy who could put in a good word for me. There you go. <laughs> Listen, this and you'll like this neighborhood. Everybody here drives their Polaris's or their golf carts around and <laughs> nice. Everybody's super nice. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's cool. All right. Well, before we get into it, I'm gonna talk about Smith and Wesson real quick. Do you have any experience with Smith and Wesson? I do. I've shot a bunch of their guns before. Yeah. What do you think? I like them. I'm a big fan of it. Like their revolvers are pretty awesome. Their MMP. Um, I really enjoy that one. I've shot it a few times. I can't say that I own any, to be honest with you. But are you I've, kidding me? <laughs> I've I've had my hands on a lot of different. Uh, well, you know, a lot of yeah. Different, and I like theirs. I like running them. Yeah. So I think, in my opinion, I think they make some of the best revolvers out there. And that's just because they've been doing it for so long. Like I actually toured their factory and they use this like big machine that like comes down and like stamps the steel or whatever the hell it's made out of um, yeah. to make the frames. And I mean, it's super old school, but that's just Where's because their factory out of? it's in Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. Nice. But they're actually so they are moving to Tennessee, but they are going to continue to make revolvers out of Massachusetts just because of all the machinery and stuff that they have there. I was going to say, isn't that their birthplace? Yeah. Yep. I feel like you got to stay there. I think like expanding is awesome, but I feel like you got to, you got to keep your roots where you're from, especially totally. in such a anti-gun state. Yeah. Like I know. 
Yeah, they got to stand their ground also and fight. I agree. Thank you. But yeah, so the revolvers, I mean, anytime somebody's looking for a revolver, because I've seen a lot of revolvers malfunction. I know that there's a lot of people out there that are like, nope, I trust my life with a revolver. And like, yeah, that's cool. You know, it has very few mechanisms and it's not going to malfunction, you know, maybe as likely as a semi-auto. But I've actually had more issues with my revolvers. And there's some brands that like I won't even touch anymore. And they weren't like super cheap. Anytime somebody's looking for a revolver, I'm like, definitely stick with Smith & Wesson. They've been making them for like over 100 years and it's proven okay. to work well. But if you guys want to check out their revolvers, head on over to smith-wesson.com. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. All right. So Crispy, I'm really excited to get you on. I've actually been trying to get you on now for almost a year. <laughs> cool. Thanks. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm busy. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's cool. I thought we were friends. No big deal. Oh, whatever. I'm all sliding into your DMs like some desperate girl. Like, hey, 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 what's your week look like? Okay. How about like six months from now? What's that look like? Uh, hey, did uh, you... <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I'm not not really used to that, but it's okay. But <laughs> I've met you a few times and really impressed with you. I actually you. don't totally know your story, but I mean, obviously, hence the name Crispy. So from my understanding, you were injured in war, right? Yeah. And then since then, you've kind of ran with it. Like you've become, you know, a public figure and you've done quite a bit. And it's really inspiring because... I was thinking about this this morning, actually, when I was like thinking about things that I was going to ask you. And so like I got into the gun industry because my mom passed away and it was really tragic and horrible. And other than that, like a week before she passed away, I shot my first gun with her. But I definitely wouldn't be in this industry if this didn't happen. I don't think I'd probably still be in New York City and doing whatever. But it's kind of nice to meet somebody else who takes a tragedy and turns it into something positive. And I've always told my friends, you know, something bad happens. And sometimes it seems like the worst thing in the world, like absolutely, like there's no, you know, recovering from this and you think it's absolutely the end of the world. And sometimes it may not be. And I think that, you know, it just depends on how you handle it. And I think that in your case, you handled it extremely well, because I think a lot of people would you know, would have given up. So before we get into that and like your story as to what happened, can you just kind of sort of just break down what it is that you do in this industry and how long you've been in this industry for? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, apart from being overseas and being wounded, um, you know, because of the of what I, the injuries that I sustained, you know, were 75% burns to the body, um, eventually had the right leg amputated below the knee, And to be honest with you, I mean, uh, I grew up and I was born in Mexico and was there till like I was about seven years old. And then, you know, we we migrated to the U.S. And you look I look back at Mexico now and I see how crazy it is and, you know, how the cartels run everything over there and how the people are always in fear for their lives. They have no protection there. There's nothing that they can do. And I still have family there. So joining the military and you know, being able to give back to a country that took a chance on me and said, hey, here's a U.S. citizenship, like, go go be who you want to be and become who you want to become. I felt like it was my duty to 
kind of serve and say, no, thank you for giving me this blank check to be an American and be anything I wanted. So I enlisted and, you know, growing up, my dad took a shooting all the time. My dad used to, uh, you know, work. And when he get off of work, he had a friend that used to work at the landfill and we used to go out there with him and he let us shoot into the landfill. Oh, nice. And my dad had a revolver. One of the first guns I ever shot was a revolver. And uh, it was super cool. Me and my little brother were always excited. You know, we get to hang out with my dad. We got to do that. And I got to really understand and learn what it meant, what the Second Amendment really was, what it stood for, and what it did for us, right? Because I looked back at Mexico and saw how people were scared, saw how defenseless they were. And I'm like, man, I never want to be in that situation. So after joining the military, I fell in love with shooting, you know, um, what you could do with that tool, how you can use it for good and all that. So it just really uh, resonated with me. You know, you fast forward after being injured, uh, I found myself in a dark room uh, during recovery, bored, depressed, not having much going on in my life. And I say, you know what, like, let's get out to the range. And my dad and I ended up going to a uh, one of these loophole uh, events. And uh, we went to a gun show and ended up buying an AR <laughs> and, uh, you know, bought some ammo, got, you know, real red dot. We went out and shot. And at first it was honestly, it was super hard to shoot because of my hands. Mm-hmm. They aren't where they're at today. I mean, back then they were just pretty jacked up. Um, and I went and I had a little bit of, of difficulty shooting. Um, so when I came back uh, and I sat at home and I'm like, okay, I need the doctors to do this, this, and this. I started doing research. And then I had a doctor's appointment and the next surgery coming up was on my hands. So I asked the doctor, I said, what can we do for me to have a fixed trigger finger? Because, you know, because of how severe my burns were in my hands, mm-hmm. all the ligaments are gone, everything. So they have to sit, you know, at a stationary uh um fixed and so um i said on my right hand i want to be able to have a trigger finger so like if you look at my right hand my index finger comes out straight and then it's kind of angled in well we did that on purpose to give me a trigger finger my right hand is to hold on my left hand is to be able to pick up items and so it's kind of curled in a little bit more and i made it work like that and i went out to the range and Oh my God, I was horrible. I mean, maybe hit the target once or twice. But as I sat there, I was like, you know what? I've never been a quitter my whole life. My parents have raised me to, you know, keep pushing forward regardless of the situation, regardless of what life throws at you. You know, I'm 100% Mexican. And I think I attribute that a lot to my recovery because we are a uh, no quitting, hard head, push forward, just get it done type of people. Mm -hmm. And I learned that from my parents. It was like, hey, look, and my dad told me, my dad was part of military as well. My dad served way, way, way back in the day. And he pretty much told me, he said, look, these are the cards that you played and these are the ones you're dealt. And that's the way it is. Like, there's nothing you can do about it. Sitting at home, bitching, not doing anything, ain't going to solve anything. You're not going to get anywhere. And that really resonated with me because that's, you know, been our whole thing growing up, you know, 
and just keep pushing forward, work hard, results pay. And I kept working hard. I kept doing therapy. I kept doing the things that I needed to do. Not all the time, but I did. And then, you know, I started working on my grip and then uh, I started noticing, I was like, oh man, it's coming back. It's coming back. And little by little it came back and I started to be able to shoot. And then I just started making little gun funny videos here and little reviews here and there. And then next thing you know, it's just kind of social media thing takes off. And next thing you know, I'm, you know, I have this amazing platform that people have given me. And now, you know, I make funny skits and stuff when I have the time and when I'm available and, you know, there's companies that reach out and like, Hey, we'd like for you to review this gun before it goes out. And that was pretty awesome. The first time I got to do it, I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe it. And then, yeah. you know, ever since then it's just, it's where it's been. And, and, uh, I love being a part of this community just because I know, uh, you know, all the, the crazy things that are happening that, you know, the opposite side is trying to take all our rights away. And, um, I just feel like being part of this community and giving back and fighting is, is become my mission now, now that I'm out of the military. Um, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to fight for now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So I actually didn't know that you weren't a U.S. citizen initially. What was no. that yeah. like coming into the U.S. and how did that happen? Did you have to marry somebody? No, I know you're married now, but <laughs> at nine, yeah. <laughs> Pay no, somebody um... off like listen, lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, shameless plug. If you really if you want to learn about it, it's on my book, uh, kinda of under my skin. We just dropped it a couple months ago. Uh, and I talk about, you know, how we crossed the border and uh, how we got here with my father and everything, and it kind of breaks it down like really in the detail. And but it's, yeah, I mean, it's called it Under My Skin. What's that? The book is called Under My Skin. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It's Under My Skin. Um, you can find it on pretty much any freaking place you can buy a book. Or okay. if you are impatient like I am, you can go to Amazon and, you know, you, uh, if you have Amazon Prime, it'll ship out super fast. Nice. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was different. You know, when I got here, I obviously didn't speak English. It wasn't. Uh, uh, even till today, it's not even my first language, to be honest with you. I think Spanish is still my first language, but it was it was difficult at the beginning, um, trying to adjust to going to a new school, learning English, you know, learning the culture here. It was so different. It blew my mind that I can go to school and get a free meal. And I was like, what the, f like, you know, like, yeah, holy crap. And I would see some of these kids just like, oh, I don't want to eat that. I'm going to go buy food. And I'm like, but this one's free. Right. Like, why would you spend your money? So, we, you know, it was a lot of things that I had to get adjusted to. And learning English was one of them. So I, I did it by watching TV all the time, like watching Power Rangers, Bar uh, like Barney, all that crazy stuff, you know, you'd watch as a kid. Yeah. And then also my mom at the time was taking English classes at night. And she used to have this dictionary that had, you know, the Spanish word and then translated into English. So I used to steal that from her and, or not steal, but I borrowed it from her yeah. every day. And I will pick a word and I will learn it. And then I try to implement it in a sentence the next day. And that's how I literally started learning English. I mean, with the help of teachers and TV and that dictionary, wow. um, you know, I was able to kind of learn and pick it up and go from there. And this is when you were nine years old that you taught yourself English. Yes. Nice. That's incredible. Yeah. Crispy, I'm going to take a quick break real quick. Talk about primary arms. Thank you. 
If you're looking for a new red dot, you need to check out the new classic series red dots from Primary Arms. At only $149, they're one of the most affordable on the market while still being built with rugged features. The 24 millimeter one is for full-size handguns, has a battery life of 25,000 to 50,000 hours, depending on the setting, and it weighs less than an ounce. The 21 millimeter version is for micro nine millimeters like the Shield Plus, the P365 Hellcat, and so forth. It also has the standard 2032 battery for the same and lasts anywhere from 25,000 to 50,000 hours of battery life. Check these out at primaryarms.com. Don't forget, if you decide to throw the GLX 1-6x24 primary arms optic in your cart, you will also get a free one-piece scope mount when you use the code AVA, that's A-V-A. Also, sadly, this is going to be the last show that they are sponsoring. So if you've been putting off using that code, definitely get on it because after this month, it is no longer going to be active. And again, that is primaryarms.com. Let's go back to, okay, so when you're in the military, let's talk about your accident, if you don't mind. No, no, no. So what exactly happened? So my vehicle was struck with a 200-pound deep-buried IED. And you were in the Army? I was in the Army, yes. Okay. Wow. And then as a result, it burned 75% of your body and required you to amputate everything, like below the knee, right? Yeah. On your right yeah, yeah, leg. Yeah, below the knee. And then you lost some fingers. Um, I didn't lose any fingers. I have them. I just lost, like, the use of some of them. But... I have all 10 of them. <laughs> oh, okay. For some reason, I was thinking that you didn't have all 10 for some, but maybe because... I, mean, I can see why you could say that. <laughs> yeah, but maybe because I think some are bigger than the others. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Okay. God. So I think that there's honestly, there's no greater pain than burning, like burnt skin. Like I agree. <laughs> there's, I mean, anytime I've gotten a, a burn at all, I mean, it just, and it throbs, like it's, it hurts so freaking bad. I couldn't even no, imagine. I, I definitely agree. <laughs> so yeah, how? No, you know, it was it was weird because when I first initially got burned, as I was there, I didn't really feel it. My body was in shock. Yeah. So it was not till I woke up in the hospital when I had to do therapy and whatnot. That's when I was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, <laughs> this really hurts. <laughs> Gosh, I couldn't even imagine. And how long was it before you were able to kind of move around? Like, I mean, how long was recovery? Um, so I spend a, a, a total of a year in the hospital, but to move around, uh, I think, uh, I mean, I was in an induced coma for about three months. I was moving around right after I woke up, but not really doing things on my own. I couldn't really take care of myself. Maybe until <laughs> like, uh, I want to say like seven, maybe eight months in, I was able to like do little things for myself. Yeah. Wow. And were you already with your wife or did you guys get married after this happened? Oh no, we, we met way after. Wow. That's pretty incredible. And your wife's gorgeous. Thank you. Not to say like, Oh wow. Like you, you know, you did better than I would have thought. <laughs> oh, I, I, definitely, I definitely swung for the fences on that one. <laughs> yeah. But she is, she's gorgeous and she Thank seems you. really sweet and you guys are, awesome. you know, very, like you just make a very cute couple. And then from my understanding, so you retired from the army in 2010. So what did you do in those four years that after you were there? injured? Yeah. Oh, so surgeries, physical therapy. Okay. Um, so you didn't, te you didn't necessarily work. 
I was still in the army. Yeah. Um, I still had to report, uh, to, uh, yeah, I still had, I still had a chain of command that I needed to report to. I still did, you know, training and stuff like that, but it was all based around the hospital, um, and, and around there. So gotcha. yeah, selective duty, still doing things that I needed to do as an NCO and whatnot, but they were very mild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And from my understanding, even to this day, because I watched something that you put on Instagram, this might've been like a year ago, but you were talking about your sheets because even to this day, you know, figure this happened, you know, 2006, but even to this day, you still have shrapnel in your body. Oh yeah. And I had a piece of shrapnel pop up like a couple months ago, I think. And so you sometimes you'll wake up and like the sheets are bloody, right? Yeah. So my skin's so sensitive on certain parts of the body that like, let's say I'm walking by and I'm just being goofy or something. And I accidentally hit myself in the corner or or touch something that's kind of sharp, it'll cut my skin open. And the next thing you know, like I'm bleeding everywhere and Dang. I'm standing different. I mean, it's, it's crazy. The amount of, um, the amount of money that we spend on sheets, on clothes and, yeah. uh, you know, all these other things that I always stay in. And I always feel bad when I stay at friends places and stuff, because I'm bound to, you know, put blood on their sheets and yeah. it's not, it's, it's not on purpose. It just happens. And yeah. I wake up and I'm like, shit like damn it i hate it yeah so you're like a little kid where they have to put you know instead of like where they wet the bed and they put down like the plastic you know sheet. <laughs> yeah, <for blood. laughs> they're like all right <laughs> so i'm just gonna remember that if you ever stay at my house i'll be like hold on hold on we gotta put this plastic sheet over <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put the plastic on yeah <laughs> uh, they, every time you move they crinkle but i mean don't ask me how i know <laughs> Okay, so now moving forward, so you also, my editor actually wrote this, I didn't know this about you, but you're the current world record holder for bench and deadlift in Paralympics. When did you earn that? Yeah, so that was, uh, man, what was that, seven, eight years ago, I think, maybe eight years ago. It was a very interesting time. You know, my, one of my buddies back at home, uh, his name is Rodney. He's, he opened up a strength and conditioning gym. And, you know, we had, uh, he had invited me to go. And I was like, man, I don't want to do that. Like, my hands are jacked. Like, my legs suck. Like, no. Like, no, I'm not going to embarrass myself. And he invited me to go watch a uh, strongman competition that he was hosting at his gym. Mm-hmm. I just went. I saw it. And I was like, I can do this. And I can beat these people. And at that moment, right then and there, I made it my mission that I was going to be uh, able body people. I was like, you know what? I'm doing this shit. And so I went, that was on a Saturday. I went the first day on a Monday and we were deadlifting that day. And I walked in and first time, never touched the weight since the accident, walk in and I deadlift four or five and they're all like, what? And I was like, well, that was kind of light. I can go heavier. Like, what's up? Uh-huh. Like, Are you kidding me? And I was like, is that good? They're like, dude, I've been training people for, you know, three years or whatever. And they, they haven't even achieved that weight. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so right then and there, the bug just kind of bit me. And I was like, the iron bug just got me. And uh, yeah, I just started lifting almost every day and just kind of started doing it at a competitive level, did a couple of uh, competitions, local competitions. And I was beating able-bodied people and you know, there's this uh, 
federation that hosts, you know, the the Paralympics. And my buddy was like, "You need to do it. You need to do it." And I was like, "Man, I don't want to do it. Like, it's it's such an unfair thing because at the time, I think I was benching like four or five, four twenty, and I was deadlifting six hundred plus. And the world records before that was like bench was like two twelve, and deadlift was like three hundred and fifteen pounds. And I'm like. I opened up at 6.05 was my first lift. And I'm like, I'm going to beat that world record by 300 pounds. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. It's such an unfair thing. And, you know, they literally sat me and they're like, look, we understand that you don't think you're disabled, but you are. Mm -hmm. And this category was made for you. So you need to. And I was like, and they're like, you know, think about it. And I thought about it and I was like, you know what? Like if the day ever comes and I have kids, like what kind of legacy do I want to leave behind? And at the time, my my social media had kind of started rolling and people were watching me and stuff. And I was like, you know what? Like, I get so many amazing messages from people every single day of how I inspire them, how I motivate them. And, you know, they look at my page and they're they're impressed. And and I was like, you know what? This is such an unfair thing for me not to do this and keep providing this sort of motivation. So I, I made up my mind. I bought my ticket, ended up in Vegas. And, you know, walked in, killed it, broke world records and haven't been broken since. Wow. That's crazy. (laughs) Let's talk about your mindset, how to get through all of this, because I don't think it's just one of those things where, you know, because I look back to like my struggles and it's weird because, you know, you don't think I personally never really thought I was like a super strong person. Like I knew my mom always raised me to be strong, but I didn't think, you know, I always thought like if I ever lost her, my life's over. But sometimes it's like the things that you think will absolutely break you don't. And then you're like, huh, you look back and you're like, I survived. But sometimes like I know for me, it wasn't like, hey, one day I woke up and I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. It was just keep like I continue to take the next step forward. But maybe for you, it was a little bit different. Was it something that, you know, because mindset like. I can't even imagine like, hey, you wake up in the hospital, you know, you're in pain, your body is definitely not like it used to be, you're, you know, physically, you know, handicapped from doing a lot of things that you used to be able to do. And it's really hard not to sulk and get into a negative mindset. So what do you think was sort of that push or, you know, was it kind of a light bulb moment or was it just literally putting one foot in front of the other, taking it day by day? It was family. Hmm. I'll be 100% honest with you. If it wasn't for the support of my family, because my mom and dad both dropped everything that they had going on. My mom had just opened a salon. She pretty much opened and closed it, moved to San Antonio, where I was getting therapy at. My dad pretty much left his job, and they came to be by my side. And if it wasn't for them, I don't really know where I'd be today because they were my constant motivation. I mean, they were the ones that that got me out of that dark hole because there was days where my mom had to wipe my ass after, you know, I went to the bathroom and they had to tie my shoelaces and my mom had to get me dressed and Mm -hmm. all these things that a parent shouldn't be doing to a 21 year old. Yeah. You know, um, it was the way that I looked at it. I was like, it should be the other way around. I should be taking care of my parents when they're older. And, you know, so I felt useless. I felt like, uh, you know, like a failure. I let my team down. I'm here. Like I'm not fighting next to them. It was just a bunch of mixed emotions, to be honest with you. And I've always told people the strongest muscle that we own is our brain. Yeah. And the minute that you let it 
wrap itself around you and not, and you lose control and you let it do whatever it wants, that's when you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. You got to own that shit. You got to grab it and take it by the horns and be like, nope, this is what we're doing. Here we go. And that's kind of the mentality that my parents gave me. You know, it was like, a, hey, listen, you're here. There's no sense. Keep pushing. Let's go. Like, you got this. And, and, and honestly, it's what motivated me and pushed me forward to uh, just keep going and living and surviving and having that mentality of, you know, just let's fucking go. Yeah. Pretty much is what it was. And, you know, growing up and I, I attributed a lot to my uh, upbringing as well. And being Mexican, you know, we're very proud people. We're, we're you know, we've, I, you know, carts have been dealt different to us. And, you know, we've always been taught to put your head down, work hard, get it done and get after it. And that's how you get results. And that was literally what I would do. Put my head down. I will work hard. When I was in pain, you know, take a break. But I always just kept pushing forward because of them. And ultimately, you know, here we push you for 15 years later. And I still attribute them to everything that I do because they're my constant motivation. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the things that I've done, like my parents have seen me on TV and, you know, they call and they're so proud and they're like, oh, my God, I saw you on TV. Like, mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, you know, and, and you know, they always just keep encouraging me to keep doing bigger and better things. And, and, you know, and that's honestly all I want to do. I want to make them proud. I want to continue to make those uh, brothers of mine that didn't make it back proud. And, you know, last year we're, we're rolling up on the year since I lost my little brother and everything I do is to honor, you know, those that aren't here anymore. And yeah, so that, that's kind of what I do. I uh, like, you know, just being me and, and continue to do what I do. And I just want to, you know, tell people like, it takes a village to help you get out of what you're going through. So mm -hmm. if you're struggling with something, you can't handle this on your own. You can't do it on your own. It takes those around you to help you get through it. And I've said it once and I've said it a million times and I've said it over and over on podcasts, asking for help, is not a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. It's a sign of strength. People always get those mixed up. They think asking for help is a sign of weakness when it isn't because you sitting there and you're being vulnerable and say, you know what? I can't do this on my own. Help. That takes courage. It takes a lot of courage to ask for help. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was there. I asked for help and help was given. And here I am today just trying to, you know, change the world and own it and make it mine and keep pushing forward and hoping that I can help others in, along the way. But it has started with asking for help. And, and, and you know, I did. And thank God I did because I'm still here today. And, you know, I'm doing what I do. Well, I'm going to play devil's advocate. But what if you don't have much for family and you're more alone? There's always someone. There's always someone. I mean, we all have friends. We have loved ones around. I mean, there, you know, it's, it's totally up to, it's honestly up to you to find the outlets, to find the help. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's websites, there's freaking, uh, there's hotlines. There's a bunch of resources nowadays for those that are struggling with mental health. It's not just, you know, those around you. You can, if you don't feel comfortable enough with, you know, a loved one or a friend because you think they're going to look at you different, which again, they shouldn't. <laughs> we're trying to kill that stigma because yeah. it's 
completely bullshit. But if you are in that situation, there's a bunch of different hotlines you can call and someone is glad to talk to you. They'll gladly talk to you and tell you and talk to you and get to, you know, know you and help you because honestly, a lot of the people that work at those, at those places have gone through what you're going through. Yeah. And, and you know, they came out at the other side of the tunnel and now they want to be there and help people that are struggling like they were. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm going to take another quick break and talk about Mantis. If you want to take your dry fire to a whole new level, you need to check out the Mantis X10. And to be completely honest, if you don't want to spend a ton of money, but you still want that dry fire practice with the X, you could also get like the X3, which is really affordable. I actually just pointed my friend in that direction because she was shopping for her husband for Christmas and he's into guns. And I'm like, you know what? It's not really going to break the bank. I think it's like $150 or something like that. And it still has a lot of those features with a few that, you know, you don't get with the X10. But I think like with the X10, you can draw from the holster. You can use it on the range with live fire, whereas like the X3, you can't. There's a few downfalls, but it's still a great system. So I would say, you know, depending on your budget, there's something that will fit everyone's need. And if you want to upgrade in the future, you can always send in the old one. They'll send you a coupon and it will take off a percentage on your next purchase. So it's really great. If you want to check these out, head on over to MantisX.com. They have you covered in all departments, handguns, rifles, shotguns. They even have you covered in archery. For all of your training needs, definitely check them out. One of your key missions now is to motivate wounded veterans and educate the public about veteran issues. Tell me about some of the events that you do for that. Yeah. So, you know, when I got out, my biggest mission was making people aware of what burns are. Right. And so I pointed up with a good friend of mine, uh, Ryan Parrott. He's a former Navy SEAL who, like myself, got blown up in Iraq and sustained a couple of burns, not as as bad as I did, but he got burned. And so when you came to the States, you quickly realized that there wasn't a lot of research. You know, we're still conducting procedures that were done in the Vietnam era when it comes to burns. There's not a lot of research. There's not a lot of improvement. Now, on the other hand, when you look at prosthetics, which I love, and I'm not knocking none of my friends or myself or prosthesis or anything, but the advancement of prosthetics since the war began is amazing. I mean, we're at a all-time high level of prosthetics. I have my leg amputated. August 30th and by November, the end of November, I was in a prosthetic walk. So it was very quick, but with burns, you know, we still, I still get scar bands and I have to constantly have surgeries to cut those open to make sure that I'm, you know, moving around. Um, I still get skin infections. I still get all sorts of infections because of the, of, of how weak the skin is. And, you know, we continue to suffer. I continue, I suffer almost every day with pain and whatnot because of the burns. But Ryan made it his his mission to find to you know do more research to find out what can we do to uh, you know make this a, a, an awareness for people to realize what's going on. So we started a nonprofit called Sons of the Flag, and at Sons of the Flag, you know we we try to help uh, civilians, first responders, military, everybody. Because at the end of the day, I don't care how you got your burns; burns suck and they hurt. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's kind of what we started doing. And he, one time he called me and he's like, Hey, there's this little kid who, you know, has been badly burned and, you know, he's kind of down and he saw you and, you know, he wants to meet you. And I was like, absolutely. Like, let's go. Yeah. Uh, so I started doing those kind of things with him. And, um, because I quickly realized like I grew up, you know, living the all American dream. I went to high school. I was big man on campus. I was a great athlete, football player in Texas, you know, of all places. Like, so I was very, very popular, um, grew up, you know, went to the parties, went to the prom, did this, did that. Like I, I had a great time growing up and I got hurt when I was 21, mm -hmm. but up until then, you know, I lived a great life. And even that, like being a little older, like I owned my freaking injuries. I mean, you know, my buddies nicknamed me Crispy and I went with it. So, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but imagine being a 10 year old who was burned when they were five years old. Yeah. And they're going to school and let's not sit around here on the bush and fucking lie. There's kids that are going to be assholes. Oh, totally. I mean, even and, if you're not burnt, school's hard enough. It, oh, yeah. So this kid was getting picked on all these things. And, you know, his mom was mama bear. Like, don't mess with my child because I'll come after you. Yeah. So he didn't want to be embarrassed in that sense. So they call me. Uh, we met before he had a surgery down in uh, Galveston at the uh, I can't remember the name of the hospital on there, but they have a hospital for kids. And uh, went down there and met him, hung out. You know, we hit it out, uh, right off the bat. I, I had him, I had a custom hat made for him that said Little Crispy on it. <laughs> uh, I had mine that said Crispy, and he was just, I mean, excited. And we became friends. We exchanged numbers. And I was like, look, dude, I was like, I understand if you're ever struggling with anything and you want to talk or the kids are being, you know, mean at school, call me. Yeah, I said, I'm not your parents. What we talk about is not going to be shared with your parents. I'm just here to help you the best that I can on my abilities and give you the best advice that I can. And, you know, we hit it off. And yeah, he called a couple of times and said, look, I'm struggling with this. Like, what do I do? And we had conversations and, you know, now he's off to college and he's such a freaking like he you can see the growth in him. He's uh very confident he's out there getting it is almost done with college and um those are the type of things that have like really motivated me that i that i did right after and you know still continue to do with ryan hmm, i love that tell me about your consulting firm called five toes yeah so that one um so i used i man i'm telling you like when i got out like i just wanted to own the world so i ended up doing a i started a company with a really good friend of mine in Austin and we were doing government contracting just all over all the military installations for a while. And just, I was just trying to give back because I saw the amount of gear and stuff that money that was being spent and it wasn't going to the troops. So we started that consulting company to kind of help in and step in and just uh, provide what the guys needed before they went downrange. Nice. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So, I mean, the, it's being in the gun industry, being in, in, in our industry kind of always revolved around my time in service and, you know, me realizing how well under equipped we were and uh, the things that we needed. And I just kind of wanted to step in and give these guys a fighting chance. So when they went down range that they have the proper gear that they needed. And how do you get the proper gear for them? Um, you know, we, we were able to provide it. We, um, we had contracts with a bunch of different vendors where we were coming in and, and cutting costs for them and being able to provide 
what, you know, whatever it was that they needed to go down range. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I like I'm it. on specified stuff that I can't talk about. <laughs> All right. Is there any future plans that you can share with us? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I always have something up my sleeve. <laughs> um, I want to open up an archery range here in town where I live. I want to start having some kids. How, a, I mean, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? 37. Okay. Oh, you're like close. You're, I'm 36 and I keep thinking, I'm like, I don't know. Do I want to have kids? I need to figure it out now because I'm going to be 40 <laughs> soon. <laughs> ah, you got time. Everybody says that, but I also don't want to be like an old mom that doesn't have the, you know, the energy to keep up with our kids. <laughs> oh, you'll make it. You'll have the energy. Yeah. Well, I but do I'm think, same, but I'm on the same boat. I want to start having kids soon. <laughs> yeah. But I do think that there's something to be said, though, about like living your life and enjoying, you know, your young adulthood before having a kid. Because, oh, without a doubt, you know, I see a lot of younger parents that had kids when they were 18. And then it's just, there's just something missing in their life. So at least, you know, I live my life. I've accomplished, you know, so much up until this point. And now I'm ready to dedicate, yeah. you know, my life, like I, you know, I can kind of put some stuff on the back burner because I've already known, I've already like, you know. Yeah. Like, especially you as a woman, like, uh, you know, it, it does take a toll on your body. And yeah. like, not only that, like you have more responsibility than a man, like mm-hmm. you, you got to feed, you got to do this. I mean, you guys, honestly, it's what you guys have it hard. I, I'm, I just kind of step in, I give the seat and I'm out <laughs> yeah. because you know, you, you handle everything else from there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, 100%, there's nothing wrong with enjoying you know, your adulthood, doing what you want to accomplish, and then, you know, starting a family. That's awesome. Like, uh, every female should be doing that. Mm-hmm. I guess I have to find a good boyfriend, though, first, right? Yeah, I should probably, Yeah, number one. Okay, step number one, <laughs> find a husband. <laughs> Here, I'm like, I don't know if I want to have kids. And they're like, bitch, you're not even freaking married. <laughs> you don't even have a boyfriend. <laughs> you don't need one. You can go to a sperm bank. Dude, right? Oh. I think about that sometimes. I'm like, then I could pick out exactly what I want. I'm like, make sure the guy was tall. He was smart. You know, had a sense of humor. And yeah, I think about that all the time. And then I'm like, then I wouldn't have to worry about sharing them with somebody because divorce rates are so high and that freaks me out. And, you know, but I don't know. I debatable. But then also there's so many kids that are, you know, in foster homes that need good homes. So I think about that as well. Yeah. You know, me and my wife talked about that. I've always wanted to, um, when I grew up, I had a couple of friends who were adopted and I mean, they were amazing amazing people so i always told my wife i was like if we're in the situation where you know god blesses financially and yeah and we're okay and we start having kids i want to adopt a kid i want to mm-hmm. adopt and, and and do it because i mean what an amazing gift to be able to give somebody a second chance at at a normal life and, and to have a family like you know i want to do that yeah i agree are you going to shot show i am going to shot show all right cool i will see you there then um, the whole week, but I'll be there for a couple of days. Cool. You kind of have the right idea. I was like, initially I was like, I don't know if I want to stay the whole week because it is a long time to be in Vegas. This is my 14th year going. I am not trying to dang. stay there. See, this is like my eighth year, I think. And oh, even man. then I'm just like, eh, I'm a little burnt out, you know, but it is, it's man, it's just so much. It is. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, okay. So I'm not going to keep you for the rest of the show. I know you're super busy, but can you just, can you remind listeners, you know, where they can find you on social media, what your book is, all of that good stuff. Yeah, of course. Any social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, it's all under crispy 11 B. And the title of the book is called under my skin and you can find it on any website that sells books or like I mentioned earlier, you can go to Amazon and find it there and have it shipped to your house ASAP. Very nice. Cool. Well, I'm really proud of you. Keep up the good work. I'm sure a lot of other people, you know, find you an inspiration. On that note, I will talk to you soon. I'll probably see you at SHOT Show, like I said, but I do appreciate your time. Of course. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Moving on with the rest of the show, I have John Snow back with us. John, welcome. Merry Christmas. Hey, you too. I don't know. How's the weather over there? Did you guys just get like a ton of snow or is it like negative, like in the negatives? Yeah, we've been pretty negative over here. I think I had minus 11 when I went for my run the other night. Oh, forget Um, that. How do you even (laughs) run in that? I had to go outside for like a little bit and like I could feel my fingers. They were physically like hurting and they hurt for like hours afterwards. And I was only outside for maybe 20 minutes. Yeah, you definitely have to dress for it. And it takes about a mile in this weather to warm up. But after that, then you're okay. But <laughs> then you, you gotta, just don't you feel gotta anything. Keep <laughs> yeah. You got to keep moving too. Otherwise you're pretty solid. But yeah. Well, yeah, now well, today we're getting more snow. So yeah. I mean, for everybody who wanted a white Christmas, congrats. You know, I think even Florida, I saw they're like, they didn't get any snow, but they still have like anywhere from like 20 to 30 degrees weather. So I think like all of the U.S. right now is, you know, under uh, some pretty extreme weather. Yeah. Uh, it was negative yeah. 14 here the other day. I don't know what it's supposed to be today, but it's still, it's pretty cold. And I've been inside the last two days and I'm like, all right, today I need to get out and like do something because I'm starting to get a little cabin fever. Feels like 2020 came back. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we're going to talk about politics. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. There's been some interesting things happening lately. So massive gun control passed. And like with most gun control, it's always hidden in these other bills. Do you want to talk about it and just kind of fill us in on what's going on? Yeah. So first of all, probably most everybody's heard about this already. But this last week, the House and Senate, they both passed this huge omnibus spending bill, which omnibus spending bills... They really should be illegal. I mean, they're absolutely ludicrous. What they do is they cram every single thing for spending that they can possibly think of into a massive bill that is so huge, no one can read it before they pass it. And in what clown world does it make any sense to pass laws without reading it? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just absolutely insane. But that's what they do. And the other crazy part of this, there is absolutely no reason this needed to be passed at this point because Mitch McConnell is an absolute failure for this. I mean, this is all on him, every bit of it, because they have, you know, in another week, a Republican controlled house. There is no reason for this to have been passed at this point. 
but they did it anyway. And so thanks to that, we have, I think it was 4,400 pages of this absolutely insanely wasteful spending. I mean, at a time when everybody in the country is, you know, cutting back on things for Christmas, Mm -hmm. you know, cost of everything is through the roof. Inflation Mm -hmm. is just out of control. They passed trillions of dollars of just absurdly wasteful spending. I mean, and the title of this bill should be America last because they put money in for every other country on the planet, except Mm -hmm. for the U S they specifically prohibited any funding to secure our border as part of this bill. But then they have millions of dollars to secure the borders in Middle East countries like Jordan and Egypt and Lebanon, Hmm. another $48 billion for the Ukraine on top of 68 billion that's already been sent there. Mm -hmm. And at last count, 70% or better of that, we can't even determine if it actually got to anyone in the Ukraine. It's not trackable because- Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's just a massive slush fund, and people are in politics. Yeah, which off. I mean, I'm all it's, for like helping people in need, and oh, absolutely. and I've heard you know Ukraine does need it, but you're right. Like if we can't track it, and but, just like with any weapons, yeah. all the weapons and all the money, it's not actually getting to them. Our weapons that we're sending over there are ending up on the black market, you know, and the money. I mean, how much of it is finding its way into? the Biden's pockets, you know, mm-hmm. we know that this is happening. It, anyway, onto the gun control portion. Oh, and, and one, one other fo- thing I found um, quite funny about this bill is they included two and a half million per senator to increase security of their own homes. Almost like they knew wow. that they're going to do something that they would need additional security at their own homes for. Wow. But the gun control provisions that they included in this. So previously, the ATF had asked for, I think it was a 13% budget increase, basically to prosecute their war on pistol braces and the frame and receiver rules. Mm-hmm. They, Which is they stupid know they because want all these extra people and agents and everything in order to go after law abiding citizens. Yeah. Well, they asked for 13%. They got 14.1%. So they got even more than they asked for. So they'll have plenty of resources to come after the law-abiding citizen. Then $14.4 million for modernizing their illegal gun registry. They say they don't have at the National Tracing Center, but we know it's digitized. We know it's a searchable database. So they've got $14.4 million to modernize that and make it even easier to search. Mm-hmm. Um, $700 million to bribes individual states to pass red flag laws. Directives in there to VA medical centers to use red flags on veterans. Directing the Department of Education to push secure firearm storage programs. And basically their goal there is you know push the idea that this has to be safe storage and push it so that they can push safe storage laws countrywide. Fund the VA to maintain gun storage maps to keep tabs on where vets keep their guns, which I mean, it's just absolutely ludicrous that the prong of the spear- It's like invasion of privacy. Oh, it's complete invasion of privacy. Mm-hmm. I don't care what doctor reason they have for anything. They have no business asking anything about what you have in your home. But 
with the VA, they always go after vets first for some reason on some of these things like this. So that's coming. They're going to increase compensation for the families of deceased ATF agents. Yeah, that's weird. It's like they're expecting more ATF agents to die because they are planning on gun confiscation. That's so weird, though. Oh, yeah. Like, especially ATF agents. I don't know. I mean, I don't like I could understand, you know, like police officers or firefighters or anything like that. But like ATF agents, you're not really like. I don't know. The, the I, only thing the only thing that makes sense is if they're expecting confrontation with Yeah. Them. It definitely makes you raise an eyebrow. Yeah. 10 million to there's several different programs. One of them was ghost gun and gun violence prevention initiatives. Basically there's about a dozen different mm-hmm. slush fund anti-gun things that got a bunch of money. 60 million for gun violence prevention research, which most people probably aren't familiar with it, but there was a law that was signed a number of years ago called the Dickey Amendment, which specifically prevents federal funding being used at agencies like the CDC and things like that for gun violence research that basically is anti-Second Amendment. Well, this is in violation of that. There's $60 million going to all of this research that was going to be used to promote the idea that the second amendment is bad. Mm -hmm. One that was really kind of disgusting is they have 4 million for domestic violence lethality reduction initiative, which basically this whole initiative blames domestic violence on firearms, not the jackasses who abuse women they blame well it could go both ways it could also be women that it could be but the idea is that they're blaming the firearm not the person who is committing the horrible act yeah and they're advising women that no you can't have a firearm to protect yourself because the firearm is the cause Mm -hmm. and it's just absolutely ludicrous another 50 million for community violence intervention initiatives 7.5 million to study violent anti-government ideology and domestic radicalization, which we've talked about this before when the FBI came out with their list of basically if you say or believe anything patriotic, the Second Amendment, uh, any kind of historical pride in the country, Mm -hmm. you're a violent anti-government extremist. Um, So this is more money to study those ideas. So. Thanks to, you know, 18 rhinos in the Senate that voted for this, Mitch McConnell and then Mitt Romney. I mean, these guys should all be absolutely ashamed of themselves. You know, all they had to do was wait a week and they would have had a conservative majority. Well, supposedly conservative because, I mean, these guys are not conservative, clearly, by voting for this. But, yeah, it's. It's pretty and sad. There's, there's it? a list. If you guys want to find out who yeah. these 18 people are, I think was it uh firearms policy coalition, they posted yep. the names and, you know, so if nothing else, like definitely write to your representatives and be like, Hey, thanks for passing this, you know, sarcasm, but uh, it is pretty freaking crazy. And what's crazy is that they include these in bills that, like I said, have nothing to do. It's not like, I mean, this is yeah, a, it's a spending bill. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, okay, you're, you know, 
allocating money for certain things, but it's usually packaged to make it seem like, oh, we're going to help other countries. But instead, it's, you know, the only help that we're doing within our country is just taking rights away from law-abiding citizens. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Going back to domestic violence yesterday, I read something where this lady, and this is totally off topic, but this lady, I guess on the airplane or at the airport, it was uh, Charleston Airport, she found some pictures in her husband's phone of like essentially him cheating on her and she lost her shit at the airport and just like started like you know hitting him and stuff and she ended up getting arrested it was interesting i'm always interested to read the comments you know some people are like yeah you go girl which as someone who's been cheated on before i mean it is hard not to act out and you know especially somebody that you trust and then you know, they do that to you. But then other people were like, well, what if the roles were reversed? And it was a guy that found pictures of his, you know, in his wife's phone and he just started beating her. And I don't know. I'm like, okay, that's a good point. Not like I was one of the people that were like, yeah, you go girl. But, you know, you could totally understand it. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah. That, some people when you talked horrible. about domestic violence, because everybody's like, it's still domestic violence, you know. Which, yeah, you're right. I mean, you shouldn't go around hitting people. But okay. Some people deserve it. I know. All right. Franklin Armory. They have a bunch of different triggers for different platforms, including the CZ Scorpion, which I have a CZ Scorpion. Do you think it would work on my CZ Carbine, right? Absolutely. Because it's well, compatible. You'd have to take it, I think, out of your bullpup kit. I don't think it would work in the bullpup kit. Yeah, you're right. Because it does. When I put the Manicorum's bullpup kit on it and it made it into as a bullpup, it did kind of move the trigger, right? Like there's. Yeah, there's trigger that longer. It yeah. has to go in there. So I'm pretty sure it would not work with that. But yeah. the good thing there is you can convert them back and forth. So mm-hmm. that's very true. So it is compatible with like the new Evo 3 Plus and most of the older Evo 3Ss. But again, if you haven't tried it, it's so much fun. The complete module for the CZ is 519. But again, if you use that code AVA, that's A-V-A, you're going to get 10% off. And that is franklinarmory.com. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. Today's Q&A was how fun was the flamethrower? I can't believe you actually used it on snow in your driveway. So Exothermic Tech, they sent me one of their flamethrowers and it's actually really nice. I didn't realize at the time, but like you can use it as a handheld device or you could also attach it to a Picatinny rail on your AR. And uh, so extremely versatile. And obviously I was not going to, initially I attached it to an AR and I was not going to go outside with an AR and try to clear my driveway because then I'm pretty sure they'd call the cops on me. And I live in a, (laughs) I haven't really gotten, I don't know how my neighborhood is, but it's more of an upscale neighborhood. I'm sure, you know, it's not like I live in the hood where people are like, oh yeah, whatever. She's just flamethrowing her driveway. It's cool. Like I'm sure I'd raise some eyebrows. But with it being so freaking cold and I was like, one, it was negative 14 degrees. Nobody was outside. Yeah. Two, after shoveling my driveway earlier that morning and freezing my butt off and I couldn't feel my fingers, 
I'm like, okay, we need to come up with another way because it snowed more since then. And I needed to clear my driveway because I have a very strict HOA. And I figured, you know what? Let's try the flamethrower. There's nobody really around. Like usually there's lots of foot traffic, people walking their dogs. Nobody was out. And it was actually a lot of fun and like so easy to use. And I didn't think that I'd have the opportunity to use the flamethrower because if I, you know, I use an indoor range, you're obviously not going to do that. And Colorado's pretty dry. So if I used it outside, I'm like, cool, I'd light all of Colorado Springs on fire. But this seemed like the perfect opportunity to use it. It was so easy. All you do is literally flip the on switch on. It does have like a battery that you charge. But once you have it charged and you set everything up, put some gasoline in it, which is nice. It does take gasoline and flip the switch and then press the button and it goes and you just can't turn it up like you just can't. Yeah, you can't tilt it up. So it could be parallel with the ground or tilt it down. And it has, I think it's like 24 feet of flame. It was pretty impressive. If you guys follow me on social media, I posted it on Facebook under Ava Flannel and on my Instagram, Ava Flannel underscore. And I made a pretty funny video. And so far, I think it's gotten like 30,000 views and it's only been, it hasn't even been 24 hours yet. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot easier to use than I thought too. And it seems intimidating at first, but if you guys want to check it out, the company is Exothermic, E-X-O-T-H-E-R-M-I-C-T-E-C-H, Exothermic Tech. IWI, if you're looking for a good AR right now, definitely check out the Zion 15. A patron actually just bought one. And honestly, I've shot this gun. Nowadays, it's really hard to find a decent AR that's under $1,000. And the Zion 15, I believe, is it's like 900 Yeah, I think 899 Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, really affordable. It has a bunch of upgrades. 15-inch free flow M-Lock handguard that attaches your favorite accessories. It's a 16-inch 4150 chrome molly barrel chambered in 5.56. Mid-length gas system, which really helps absorb a lot of that recoil. Has the B5 system, uh, the stock and grip, which seem to be pretty popular. Yeah, they're pretty solid. Yeah, they. I mean, I, I'm a fan. Lots of different upgrades. And again, you're just getting just a, a nice rugged AR that's going to be reliable check it out iwi.us and as always if you find any accessories in the web store remember to use the code gunfunny15 for 15% off tactic talk discussing popular guns and gear love it hate it find out now Today in Tacti Talk, I wish I kept Crispy around to talk about the new scar that was recently released. This one definitely has my attention. I do not have a scar in my collection, but I really want one. This is the Scar 15P. So it's like the baby scar. And yeah. Colian Noir, he posted a picture of it. And I was like, man, I was like the only baby I want. <laughs> but it's yeah. essentially a 5.56 pistol, lightweight, compact. Two things the scar is definitely not usually. Overall, 20 inches in length, and since it's a pistol, it has a rail on the back. So there's finally a scar that doesn't look like an Ugg boot. No Ugg boot stock on this one since it is a pistol. 
But I kept thinking, you know, because a lot of people when they were showing it, they don't have braces on it because now I'm like, what do you do? And do you have to make it into an SBR? Like with everything coming on. So that's the only thing that I was like, huh, I don't know. But anyways, more about the pistol. It has a 7.5 inch cold hammer forged barrel, free floated, full length Picatinny rail on the receiver machine from a single piece of aluminum. It has rails on the side and bottom of the foreign for accessories, adjustable gas regulator with three pronged muzzle device. As the same short stroke gas piston system as every other SCAR, which is known for its reliability. The charging handle, non-reciprocating, has less felt recoil due to reduced mass of the bolt carrier. So it should be easier to manage shooting from a sling. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't have a SCAR either because price point on the SCAR is up there. Yeah. So actually, I just looked. MSRP is... $3,699. So I don't think I'm going to get one anytime soon. God, it's definitely one you have to save for. Scars are really cool, though. I mean, it's one of those things. I love FN. I love FN. But the scar is one of those ones that you definitely have to save up for. And historically, the other scars, they're all heavy compared to, you know, similar size carbines. Mm -hmm. They're much more heavy. They are a lot of fun, though. But they're definitely something you have to save your pennies for because, you know, normal one, you know, is 4,000 bucks. So, I mean, 3,700 for the pistol. I mean, it's not that much less for the pistol version. Yeah. But they are a lot of fun, no doubt. I do think on this one, you know, with the 7.5 barrel, to me, I would want to be able to suppress it. Mm-hmm. But an FN with the SCAR, if you put a suppressor on it, avoids the warrant oh dang so well it's not fun that's always been kind of a drawback now i think that if you were to use one of the flow through style suppressors that don't add much back pressure you know like x2 development group or uh, one of those Mm -hmm. i think one of those yeah but still you would want the warranty you You do not want void it for if you're going to spend that much you do not want to avoid the warranty correct i do think that because the the whole reason for voiding the warranty is that that back pressure changes the cyclic rate yeah. and causes things to basically blow themselves apart because of the increased back pressure on mm-hmm. the system. But with a 7.5 barrel, suppress is kind of a must, I think, because you're going to get a lot of blast on a 7.5556, which that's another thing. Why not 300 blackout? Because in a pistol version like this, 300 blackout makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll see that down the road. Now, because yeah. I mean, at that point, it's just a barrel chain. So yeah. hopefully we'll, we'll see that. There's a couple other things about this that they did is pretty cool, though, when they because they had to do a whole different carrier for this in order to change the weight for the pistol. And so as part of that, they have a low profile charging handle, which is reversible. So if you're right or lefty, you can swap those. And they also include one that's a 30 degree offset. So it's canted down. So that you can have a low optic up on the rail Mm -hmm. so that you're not going to be catching that. Like a lot of times if you try on an AR with some of the bulkier mounting things for optics, you're going to rack your fingers against the optic. Mm -hmm. Well, with this, they did, they canted it down 30 degrees so that you can easily grab a hold of it. So nice. um, that's kind of a nice thing, but 
you know, being FN, yeah, it is kind of pricey. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Chicks yep. dig scars. So, you know. Oh, this chick does. And it's available in black or FDE, although I'd probably get an FDE. And then comes to a 30 round or 10 round, depending on, you know, preference or the state you live in. All right, Caldwell. Caldwell has some of the most affordable targets around. They offer AR-500 targets in a bunch of sizes and shapes with their 5-inch plates as low as $19.99, 8-inch ones for $37.99, and then full-size IPSC targets for $209.99, which is really affordable if you ever look at the cost of other steel. And then on top of that, it is super rugged and reliable. Um, mine have been taking a beating now for like the last two years. They stay outdoors. I don't have to break them down or anything like that just because I am friends with the person that the range is on. They're, you know, withstanding all the elements. And then when I go to shoot it, it's not like they're cracking or it's getting pitted or anything like that. So they definitely hold up. Yeah, I've been pretty impressed with theirs. So I've gotten a number of different steel targets over the years and some of them, there's a whole bunch of places that they'll say they have AR-500 steel, mm-hmm. but not all AR-500 steel is the same. Exactly, yeah. So, like, I've got some that are thicker that they're still holding up, but, you know, from rifle rounds, even at 100 yards, you know, you see little dents coming up on them. Mm-hmm. These ones are not as thick, so they actually ring a lot nicer. Being able to move more, they ring a lot better, but... They don't have those dents. So yeah. The steel is clearly able to handle it better. So. Yeah. Just make sure that you're obviously shooting at, you know, they are designated, like some are designated for rifle. There's pistols, you know, and so forth. So just make sure that you're not yep. shooting a rifle at the pistol. But yeah, totally agree. If you guys want to get some steel or any other goodies from Caldwell, head on over to caldwellshooting.com. Don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY10, all one word for 10% off. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as f- Never mind. AF. Today's AF segment, you might want to be a Karen. Over the last few years, the name Karen has become synonymous with bossy woman with certain hairstyles demanding to see the manager about something trivial. It's become so ingrained in culture that there's even a restaurant called Karen's Diner. Karen's Diner prides itself on its rude services and throws all the normal rules of customer service in the trash. Kind of reminds me of Dick's, the restaurant Dick's, where they're just legit Dick's to you. They're supposed to be sassy and rude to customers. Even the logo of the diner has the distinct Karen haircut. Since the name Karen has basically become an insult, if someone is being bossy, some people are worried. I would say not so much bossy, but like if they're just, you know, complaining about every little thing. Complaining, pushy. Yeah. I I had a guy at work one time. He complained that, you know, this was after people had completely lost any of the bs interest in following mask rules and he he comes up and there's three of us discussing a project and he's like you 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 you're not following the rules i was like thanks karen right i know it's uh i say that sometimes on you know when people complain on social media about something i'm doing basically because you know the name karen has such a negative connotation a lot of people are choosing not to name their kid karen 
This guy, DJ Matt Edmondson from Radio One, is concerned about the lack of Karens and has decided to pay people from his own pocket to preserve the name. He's promised to pay 100 people to legally change their name to Karen in the hope of preserving the name. He decided on this after seeing the number of children being named Karen dropped below 500. If the trend persists, there will no longer be any Karens. He's also launching a board name called Karen with the disclaimer that not all Karens are Karens. How much is he paying these people to change their name to Karen? It's only 42.44 pounds. So is this guy like in London or something in England? Yeah. Okay, so he's not even in the U.S., So he's paying people 42.44 pounds, which is actually the cost to change the name. So essentially, he's just paying for the name change. He's not really, they're not making any money off of it other than it's not going to cost them any money out of pocket. And I don't think he's going to get anybody to do it. Yeah. And then this is in Britain. I don't know. It actually has occurred to me. I'm like, I wonder how many people are, you know, naming their kids Karen, but. I think it's definitely declining. Yeah. I mean, Karen's not really a pretty name anyways. No, no. But there's really there's isn't. also some like really weird names out there now. And things that we're, like... We're kind of in a weird name trend right now. Well, and even as like a, you know, somebody who has an English degree, I look at the way that these names are spelled and pronounced. I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. So I really feel sorry for teachers. Like, remember when you were in school and like teachers, you know, first day of school and they're pronouncing everyone's name and then you'd laugh if they said it wrong because like the students are just like, the teacher must be stupid. But it's literally because these parents are on crack when they name their kids or when yep. they spell their names and it doesn't make any sense. But at the time when you're a kid, you laugh because you're like, eh, the teacher doesn't know how to pronounce that name, but it's really the spelling. And more so it's happening, you know, more than ever. So, yeah. So, I mean, if nothing else, just if you're going to name your kid something weird or, you know, something that's different, just make sure that the spelling actually makes sense. All right. Time to wrap up. So there's no iTunes reviews. So if you guys haven't done so, please leave us a review. And if you like the show and you enjoy it, you should consider supporting the show. You can do so by becoming a Patreon. I actually just we did our Secret Santa And it was really funny. I actually just posted one on GF Media on Facebook. So if you want to follow us on Facebook, it's not gun funny. It's GF Media because Facebook was like deleting a bunch of gun accounts. But you can find us at gunfunny.com. Just click on the, you know, look where it says Facebook and then you'll find our Facebook. But I did post a funny video that one of the patrons did and somebody gave him a blow up unicorn costume and he had fun with it. Also, Blown Deadline, he's given away a $300 gift certificate to a lucky patron each month, which he actually just sent me the lower handguard and stock that he had painted for me with my logo on it. But it seems to be lost in the mail right now. It's in Colorado, but there hasn't been. Have you seen it yet? Yeah, it's really amazing. It's like camo and has my logo and I can't wait to get my hands on it, but I'm hoping that you know, it's not lost in the mail because tracking hasn't been updated since the 12th. So yeah, that's the only thing I'm like, it it is the holidays though. I know that's the only thing that's like keeping me somewhat positive about it. Also want to thank the $25 patrons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq veteran, 8888, Sake Holsters, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Calamore, Daniel Lee, Nick Theodosian, Tristan Smith and Melissa Writings. And then, of course, King of the Patreon is still John Snow. 
And Crispy's no longer on the show right now with us, but want to thank him for coming on. And I know he's a busy guy, so I really appreciate that. But if you guys want to go ahead and follow him on social media, he's always posting some pretty funny videos or just, you know, educational content. And on that note, hope everyone had a Merry Christmas or a great Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or even if you don't celebrate any of those, I hope you just had like a nice day off. On that note, we're out of here and I will see you guys next week. And John, thanks so much for your time. And uh, we're out of here. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.